This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. And three, two, one. And welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, John Allen. How y'all doing? I hope everybody is well out there. Um, Let me start off by saying, if you are listening to me on an audio podcast platform, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, whatever it may be, uh, please look at the description of this episode and there you will see where you can donate. Yeah, donate. Uh, I'm looking for support. Um, I want to keep this great content coming at you and it helps with donations. Check out the description of this episode and click in on those links and give what you can, even if it's only a dollar a month. A dollar goes a long way if there's a few thousand of you, right? <laughs> and if you're listening to me, I'm sorry, if you're watching me on YouTube, great. That's where I want you to be. Look at this face. Look at that face. Uh, that's where I want you to be. Remember to click subscribe and click the uh, little bell icon. That'll give you a notification every time I release an episode. So today's episode, I'm speaking with a guy. This is his third appearance on my podcast. I've got him on the telephone. This is Frederick Wallman, my great musician friend. Hey, Frederick, how are you? Hell yeah. Hey, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I love the confidence. You said, hell yeah. I like the confidence. I like it. I wish I could be on video as well, but you know. Yeah. We had some technical difficulties. It was supposed to be a video uh, feed from your end, but uh, yeah, you know, that's what happens. Technical difficulties, but we want to make sure, uh, or I want to make sure, and I'm sure you do too, make sure that people can hear about uh, something exciting that's about to happen for you. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, tomorrow, I shouldn't say tomorrow, maybe, but uh, Friday the 28th of May, uh, my third single is coming out. It's called Stay On My Mind. It's, uh, it's a duet. It's a duet with, uh, with a very talented singer called Anna. Yeah. Um, she sounds like Lana Del Rey, which is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, those, oh, uh, I mean, for those of, uh, of the people listening that I've already, uh, shown or that I've already heard a song. I think it's probably their favorite of mine, the three. Okay. For all of them. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. We'll see how it goes when it comes out. So you're getting better. So you're getting better as your musical life, uh, ages. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I, like I can, it. I can tell, I can tell by, uh, just putting more hours in the studio. Uh, working now more efficiently than ever before, you know, before I could do a course like 40 times just to get the right notes in place. Ah, And now this time it was like, okay, let's just do it. I have, uh, I know exactly what to do. I'm just going to do it now. Okay. So, and it worked Um, and it sounds much better. So it's, it's pretty cool. What do you think is the reason that it's easier now? Is it just the the process of repetition? You just get more comfortable in the studio? Or is it that your musicianship, your actual skills with playing and singing have gotten better? What uh, What's the reason behind uh, things becoming uh, a little bit easier for you? I, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. And now I stream, um, as we talked about on the other or the second episode, I stream now on Reddit almost every day for like an hour, two hours a day. 
and I play with a studio microphone and monitoring on uh, to my ears with the reverb and stuff. So I get a lot of uh, that's the same. That's the same method we use when we are in the studio. You know, and I was... I'm more used to to singing uh, with the monitoring, doing the right notes. Yeah, you know all of that, and also. I got to know the producer better and I know what, um, I know more of everything we can do in the studio now. Yeah. Um, which well, makes it easier. And what I find fascinating is your work ethic. You know, you say you're, you're, you're playing every single day, performing, streaming on Reddit every day for an hour or more. That's basically, yeah. uh, well, not basically. I mean, you are having a concert every single day and you can't help but get better. The more often you do that, the better you're going to get. It's been really important to me just to not lose uh, that skill. Because um, yeah. it's very easy to do that when oh. you have no place to play. It's or, very easy, uh, yeah. You need to sit alone and it's much easier to put on Netflix or watch something on YouTube yeah. than to yeah. just sit and, and play through a whole set one or two time, times a day. If I were to train my biceps every day for yeah. an hour, I'd probably be having the biggest biceps in all <laughs> There you go. There you go. You know, I feel that whole thing about um, uh, what happens when you don't perform. Uh, I've had all these shoulder surgeries, so I haven't been able to pick up the, my guitar as often as I want. And right. a couple of days ago, I had a television crew from NRK, here at my home. Mm. They followed me around all day filming me. And for part of this little thing that they wanted, this portrait that they wanted to do of me, they wanted me to play in my studio. And, and uh, I picked up my guitar and, 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 you know, my shoulder starts hurting, my arm starts cramping up. And all I could do was just finger a couple of, couple of three chords <laughs> for about 20 seconds and then just put well, it down. So that, that's all I need. Yeah, yeah, that's all I need. That's all. Well, that's all they got. I don't know if they needed more, yeah. but that's all they got anyway. But that thing about uh, performing, that thing about practicing your craft is so mm. important. So I can only imagine how much better you've gotten. I mean, you were already good when I first met you, um, but you've had countless hours of performances just in the last six months. And I analyze a lot of the stuff I put on, on live. You go uh, back and watch on, it? I do, and I read all the comments and stuff, and then I see their suggestions, I take their comments into consideration. I also go back and watch like a uh, stream from a year ago. Ah. I did that the other day, and I was like, okay, I've, I've progressed a bit, even though it's like, it's like losing weight. You're not, you don't see it in the mirror after no. two weeks. But yeah. after a year, maybe then you you'll start noticing. The right stuff. Yeah, then you'll yeah. start noticing. You know, I um, when I first met you, um, and for quite some time since I've known you, you've been, um, you know, humility. Being humble is always a good thing uh, because mm -hmm. it keeps you grounded and it keeps you uh, always pushing to to perfect yourself. But I think you maybe you had. Uh, too much humility you didn't you maybe didn't realize how good you were but it sounds like now just in the way you're formulating these things that you're saying about yourself and and, and what you've been doing you seem to be a more confident performer now a more confident songwriter and musician am i right yeah 
I guess so. I mean, yeah. I'm, I met up. I met up with uh, one of the other guys that is doing a lot of the same stages as me. Um, yesterday, and uh, and uh, he also had played almost every day for the whole pandemic. We didn't really see each other for the last half year or so. And I was really like, I was very excited for him that yeah. he was still. I mean, he kept his sword nice and shiny. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we can just go back uh, to playing where we did before, and we'll be better than ever before, um, which is which is awesome. Uh, it makes me it makes me want to play even more. Sure, sure. Um, How do you think it's going to be this summer as far as the live venues? Do you think things are going to open up to the point to where you can actually get out there and, and, and create an audience outside of that Reddit, uh, that, uh, that social media audience that you have, which is a big audience and that audience can be quite giving, but I'm sure you want to, you know, you want to smell the sweat of your audience. You want to, I want to see some people. Yeah, I don't want to see yeah. a number on the screen. Exactly. And I do you think, do you think it'll get to that point throughout the summer? Throughout this summer, I don't think so, to be honest. I mean, I'll, I, I, I think it's a very difficult thing to discuss because you, you don't know really how it's going to look in two weeks or a month or even like next week. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm happy with playing Reddit this, uh, this uh, summer. Um, but I think until everyone's vaccinated for a second time, right? You, we, yeah. Things will be stay yeah. closed. Have you gotten vaccinated? You can, no. Not yet. No. No. I'm only 24 though, so I can. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I jumped ahead on the list. That was uh, that was perfect. <laughs> hey, you young guys, you guys can get it, and you'll be fine the next day. It's the old people yeah. like me that have to worry about the vaccine. <laughs> Well, I mean, I know one guy who got it, and Dude, he yeah. said, "If if I didn't know that it was Corona, I would have went to school because uh, I I wasn't really that sick." He said, "But it's it differs from person to person, and I, I think it's a I'm uh, off the Trump. This is the most discussed uh, topic ever, yeah. And I I don't think I have anything." meaningful to say that someone else hadn't said before yeah well no i um i just hope that uh the people who want to get vaccinated get it as soon as possible and uh, i hope that uh, society goes back to normal when it is safe to go back to normal i'm not someone how's, it, how's this year been for you then how's it been the last since um, march thanks for asking nobody ever asked me that <laughs> Uh, there's a reason why you're, um, the first episode I had with you is number three on my all-time list for listens and downloads. It's Ooh. because you're such a nice guy and you, you say, <laughs> and you say things like that, like asking me how I've been. No, thanks for asking. I, I've been, um, I've been okay. Um, it's been a struggle. You know, I, I can't, um, of course, this whole thing with my son passing away from a mm. heroin overdose has weighed very heavy uh, on my mind. But yeah. considering that, I cannot say that I have been doing bad this past year. 
this podcast, you know, talking with people like you has really lifted me forward. It really has. Um, uh, I mean, that's the reason why I started this podcast was to lift myself out of being depressed about my son's passing. Uh, you know, I, I like to talk with people who motivate me or inspire me, um, uh, people who I can learn something from. And you fit, you fit that category. You and your musicianship inspires me. It moves me. Uh, I'm very interested in your, your, you're genuinely interested in your journey. Um, so talking with you and talking with people like you is what has gotten me through this past year. But the whole thing with Corona in itself, um, yeah, you know, I've been sitting at home, working from home, isolated. <clears throat> so I kind of feel that whole thing about not having that direct contact with my friends, not having direct contact with my stand-up uh, comedy audience. Yeah. I really miss that, but it's all manageable because of, um, my family. I've got a beautiful wife and, and, uh, and, and I have this podcast, uh, and my family through the podcast. So that's, what's carried me through. Yeah, it's nice. It's therapy. It is. It's exactly. Exactly. Just, it's very, very, uh, rarely nowadays that I, just talk to someone for like, I don't know how long we'll go for, but an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, I don't care. <laughs> um, well, it's very it? rare for me to do it. Because I, I'm always watching something on Netflix uh, or on my phone or something while someone is talking. Well, I think I'm it's, bad uh, at that. I think it's a good thing to find the opportunity to have a real, genuine conversation where there's nothing else going on. Um, I don't know how you feel when you're in front of the camera uh, doing a performance, an hour-long performance on Reddit. But I can tell you as someone who watches your performance, uh, I feel like it is, you know, it's not, a, it's not a conversation per se, but it is a human-to-human -human, uh, connection. Uh, and when I'm watching you perform, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not thinking about my son. I'm not thinking about... Uh, you know, how to, to get more exposure for my podcast. I'm not thinking about anything that stresses me out. I'm right there in that moment watching you perform. But and that's so cool that you say, because that's the goal. Yes, that's, and that's, that's what exactly, I'm trying well, to mission, achieve. Mission accomplished, because I, I can't help but think that everyone else who is watching you feels some measure of the same thing, where they're there in that moment. But how, what's it like for you? Are you concerned? Are you are you thinking about? Oh, I hope this sounds right, or oh, I hope I don't sing off key, or are you relaxed and one hundred percent in the moment when you're performing? Tell me a little bit about that. I'm usually very relaxed when I'm performing. Confident at the start of the stream. Yeah, I'm confident. And I just, I mean, I, I check that the sound is working okay, and. Uh, and then just go from there. I have a set list that I play through. I know what song is next. Um, if there's a, a lot of people watching and I see that the comments are just rolling in, I, I will just say I'm not going to spend time uh, looking at my phone. I have 3,000 people watching. So I'm going to go through the comments and then I, yeah. I just uh, I just improvise, say something. Maybe I'll read one comment and then talk. For like a minute about that and then 
I play play a song or two, and the songs, it's like muscle memory, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, so, it depends. It depends on how my voice is feeling that day. If my voice is off, yeah, then my guitar playing is worse, and yeah. uh, you know that goes as a domino effect. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I, I can control the environment very easily, so it sounds the same every time. And uh, yeah, yeah, you have really good. Uh, you have really good sound in your performances. So you you just have your microphone running into a DAW, uh, you know, into Cubase or Logic or whatever, and then from there. I have, now I have um, the uh, tablet. Uh, that goes to wow. a uh, road um, sound card, yeah, and that goes to a boss vocal performer, which makes me able to put on reverb, like, compression. Yeah, I, I use it only for reverb, and okay. it has a funny like robot voice that I use. Sometimes. Okay, yeah, but uh, nothing else in there, just to make it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So I very, always sing with reverb anywhere, anywhere, anywhere else. So why shouldn't I? I think it sounds much better. And then, what are you using for your in-ear monitor? I'm just, uh, you know, the basic Scarlett uh, headset. Yeah. Everyone buys it. They start um, producing music. It's like yeah. the first go-to. Go-to headset. It works. It works perfectly. So, in other words, for any other musicians who are listening to this, who are kind of, because I know a lot of people, when they start thinking about the technical aspects of a live online performance or even a home recording process, uh, for those people, I, I, I just want to say it doesn't cost a lot of money. You don't have to be a technical wizard to be able to no. do these things. It costs surprisingly little money to have a sound card a microphone and a good set of headphones for in-ear monitoring uh, but but that scares away a lot of mus potential musicians uh, uh, potential performers the technical side of it scares, yeah, scares them know, away keeps them from the, getting started yeah for the past three years though streaming has just exploded yeah. uh, so uh, i i think there will be a market for streaming musicians uh, like today, there is a streaming market for gamers or, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go on Twitch and watch someone walk through a town, and just film in front of them yeah, and with donations, yeah. thousands of kroners an hour. I was uh, just talking, uh, no, wait, whoa, let, let me back up. Who's making thousands of kroners an hour? What did you say now? Street streamers on, on, Twitch. on Twitch. If you have the audience and you're good to go. I'm sorry. If, if you have street, what? If you have what? If you have if you have enough of an audience, yeah. you're good to go. And what's a, what um, is a good sized audience on Twitch? I'm, I am not. I've never been on Twitch. I'm I'm not that much on Twitch either. But I know, you know, Ninja, right? Yeah. The Fortnite gamer. Yeah. Um, I think when he was at peak, he made like almost five hundred thousand dollars a day just from streaming, or because just from donations because when you stream on twitch it's based on a donation uh platform right people can uh uh yeah people can donate to uh, you know pay to watch your stream right 
Yeah. So also uh, they have their advertisements, and so when you click a stream, I think if you're um, registered or something, we shouldn't talk about something we don't know about. But okay, let's try this. Uh, <laughs> You can sub also to to uh, to a Twitch channel, and you pay like five dollars or so every month. Yeah, um, like a Patreon. I see. I think that's that that's um, yeah bigger now, but um, you can also give away subs. So let's say I have fifty dollars, and I want ten people to subscribe to your Twitch channel, and then I just buy ten subs and then give it away. So then there's 10 more people that need to go in and cancel their subscription until next month before you get 50 more dollars. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about switching over to Twitch. I was just going to say, what's keeping you from getting on Twitch? I mean, if you have 3,000 people at a time watching you on Reddit, what if you had 3,000 people who were, you know, $1 is not a lot of money. What if you had 3,000 no, people giving you $1? There's very few streamers on Twitch that have that many uh, concurrent uh, viewers. Okay, so there's a different different audience, uh, a, yeah. a different size of the potential audience then. But because on Reddit, it's, yeah, it's something to think about. If you were able to make it on Twitch and you had a decent size audience, yeah, there's money to be made. I have some plans for the stream um, that I've talked a lot about yeah. uh, to different people in the last weeks i want to get a better camera i want um even i can have two cameras and i can just yeah. have a foot switch switch between the cameras set up the light lighting i need to i need to get a laptop yeah. we, yeah, uh, as we found out, out earlier <laughs> yeah um so i can put on overlays so i can have like a qr code you scan and uh, you're on paypal and just write a number that you want to give and press just to make the process as easy as possible for yeah. the people watching. So and I'm not you streaming a, to make money. I'm I'm streaming to uh, try to build an audience. But, yeah, you know, but we see how, do this. Yeah, but see, we talked about that before. Of course, you never want to yeah. lose your musicianship. You don't want to overshadow the art. But the finance. Put it to you this way: If you had a financial situation to where you could focus 100% of the time on your art mm. that's better than the current situation because as it is now yeah. you have other responsibilities which require money and you see what i'm saying so yeah, yeah. so i i'm it's, not afraid uh, i'm not afraid of talking about my interest in making money through my art because i want that money to support my art why so, hide it though yeah. i don't know i i i i i'm However, this uh, this goes. I, I won't ever be the guy with uh, the ball main sweater, so or, or like uh, you won't see me wearing leather pants anywhere. Oh gosh! Um, I, well, but and, and everybody was looking forward to seeing you in leather pants. Oh, now I'm they, sorry to break it to you, everyone. Uh, but, uh, you guys heard uh, it first here on the Coming On podcast <laughs> with John Allen. There will be no leather pants on Frederick Wallman. <laughs> well, I. It's too early to say now, though. You never know. You never know. You, know, but, you, you might no, be. I, you. I don't think you will be corrupted by success. I really don't think you will be corrupted by success. You are such a humble and laid-back guy. Uh, I don't care how successful you get or how much money you end up making. I can't see it 
changing your personality at all. You can always call me John, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm always I'm always there. That's fine. No, I've, I I mean if 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 I started making a little better money off the streams, then um, the potential of the streams gets better as well. Sure. Exactly. I can do more. I can have guests on the stream if I have enough money to purchase another microphone. Then I exactly. can have someone. Yeah. You know, and it all goes into the stream again or well, into well, exactly, the project. Exactly. It's like with this podcast. I was, And this is why I kind of, you see, I kind of raised my, it got my, uh, my, um, my interest when you started talking about Twitch and the possibilities there. Because just today, before I, I got on the telephone with you, I was sitting on the porch with Snoopy, my lovely wife. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the podcast and where it started and where it is now and where we wanted to go we where i wanted to go <laughs> and she suggested uh upgrading uh to some wireless um microphone system and uh some sort of handheld camera or a camera that we could put on a stand and mm -hmm. i can actually do my podcast outdoors if i'm on Ooh. a walk up in the mountains or in the woods or if i'm walking with my guest yeah that's a cool concept. And I never would, yeah, and I never would have thought about that, but she suggested that. Uh, you know, thankfully, my podcast has grown to the point where I can start considering things like that. But the possibilities mm -hmm. expand when the profitability of the podcast expands. And that's why I talk about the importance of the finances in art. Finances shouldn't overshadow the art, but the finances can certainly support the art and it can certainly open up more opportunities for us to perform our art. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about Twitch, you know, I just, I don't know why I've never really thought about Twitch. That might be a good platform to put my podcast and possibly get, yeah, possibly get some, it's, some, some subscriptions. It's not difficult, not difficult to achieve yeah. uh, a level of production where it looks uh, professional. Yeah. See, and my, my, Maybe that's where I'm uh, struggling the most. Well, I'm not even struggling because I'm fine with my level of production, but my videos are just, you know, it's just a still shot of me in my in my studio talking with my guest. So then that works perfectly, though. You just, if, I don't know. In, I, in I have a lot of thoughts. Format, in a podcast format, people just want to yeah. see, you know, they just, you know, look at Joe Rogan. There's nothing fancy about his video. It's just a video of him sitting in his in his studio with his guest. I saw his studio got a lot of, uh, <laughs> nobody liked the studio, the new UFO studio. I'm getting used to it. And, and he has made some changes. It's not as crazy looking as it was when he first started in this new studio. He's kind of toned it down a little bit to where it looks better. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of used to it now. Um, what do you think about everyone, everyone going to Austin, Texas? Yeah, that's a very interesting thing. Um, it's, uh, it, do, it doesn't surprise me. Have um, you been there? Uh, I've driven through there when I was a truck driver after my time in the U.S. Marines. I've been through Austin mm -hmm. several times. It's a great city, uh, and the people there are extremely friendly. It's like a liberal oasis in the middle of that ultra-conservative Texas. So That's I understand. what they say. Yeah, and I understand why the artists and the stand-up people, the, the, the musicians, are, are going there. Uh, look, I'll put it to you this way. I... Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a person who gets in line behind Trump's denial of the seriousness of COVID. 
Um, I know it's a serious thing. Uh, I understand why Los Angeles shut down. Um, I think it was smart to shut down Los Angeles. But when it was shut down, of course, there were a lot of artists who couldn't perform. And if we look at the stand-up comedy world, a lot of them found ways around that. Some of them started streaming from their home. Some of them started just doing solo videos and putting that out on YouTube of their comedy. And for some, for a very few of these stand-up comics, it worked very well. But for most of them, it didn't work very well. So then he started thinking, and, and this is what, what Joe Rogan did. He started thinking, hey, you know, I can't function uh, in this situation, in this shutdown city of Los Angeles. What can I do? Well, yeah, I have the money and the means to move to, oh, yeah, look at Austin. Things are open there. People can do more of what they want. And, and, and the whole issue of whether it was safe to do, that's a whole nother issue. Uh, but the also, fact, I think Ron White uh, was there. From yeah, well, yeah. But the fact is, is that you were able to uh, have access to a live audience in Austin because things were not shut down there like they were in Los Angeles. So I mm. totally understand why people are moving there. I mean, Joe Rogan, he's 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 blazing a trail. There's so many comedians who have followed him there. He's building a uh a club for for stand-up comedy i think they're gonna have music there as well so i think it's a great development all it's doing is helping uh artists it's giving them it's giving them another place to practice their art i think it's a beautiful thing i watched this show on youtube called kill tony have you heard about that yes i have yeah tony hinchcliffe brian red band and a guest so they uh they pull a name out of a bucket and you get 60 seconds to do stand up in front of it's Tony Hinchcliffe, which you know. It's a great concept. It's so cool because you get um, people from like every walk of life. You can yeah. there, there's homeless people, there are rich people. There, I think they even had a murderer on once. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. They've had people um, who are just you know, people who should really be locked up in in, uh, in a mental health uh, institution, but they they're there at that uh, they're there to perform on Kill Tony, and uh, you never know who you're going to get. They were at the comedy store in in Los Angeles. Now they're uh, in in Austin. Yeah, and I think probably fifty or sixty percent of the people that comes up on stage and they talk to them after the sixty seconds. They'll tell you, I moved to Austin within the last two months. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real scene that's happening there. It's going to be interesting to see what Los Angeles does when when things start opening up again, because I don't know that that Los Angeles Hollywood scene is going to be very meaningful. It feels like it's kind of dying, isn't it? It, it sure does. And, you know, and then there's the issue of uh, the the income tax that people pay in California. And mm. People are saying they've had enough. They want to, you know, I'm not against income tax. I mean, the, the you know, the government has to have its income. Uh, yeah. But I also understand that if there's a place like Texas, uh, specifically Austin, Texas, where you can go and, you know, you don't have that kind of tax. And you are an artist, a performer. You're trying to make a living, and here's a better opportunity. I totally understand uh, why people are moving. I support that. I mean, it's it's going to be a new mecca for creativity and art in America. 
I would think also for now that the uh, apartments rent is it's cheaper than in Los Angeles. Yeah, the living situation might be better for some people. It we is, get more yeah. space. Yes, less, that might less traffic as well. And that might change. You know, uh, property values might change to where it becomes quite expensive to live in Austin. But from what I understand at the moment, uh, it's it's all around a great place to be, especially if you are an artist of some sort. Maybe we should should maybe we should go and uh, take a trip I would to, love Austin, to go to Austin. Yeah. I, when things open up again, I think we should do that. Yeah. I'm going to start. Uh, go, you, you, we can go and kill Tony. You yeah. can do yeah. a minute, and yeah. then uh, Black Pumas is from Austin as well. Yes. I can go to their uh, their place and play great some music. Band. With them. Great band, Black God, Pumas. Uh, I love their music. Black Pumas. I think I went onto their Instagram, and you were the only one, uh, uh, only person that I'm following on Instagram that's also following them. Is it? I think you're the only person that well, I know that I'm knows cool. Black Pumas. Because I'm cool. You're cool. That's why. That's why <laughs> you're on the beat. But is it? But isn't that strange that a band like Black Pumas isn't even even bigger? They're almost like an underground. I don't want to call them an underground band, but they're they're not as widely known as they should be. Uh, um, they got nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, but still, they're not. They're not. And I, I get what you mean because they're I, I, so because fantastically good. Yeah, and I've never thought about it. But when you say I'm the only friend that you have on Instagram who is also following the Black Pumas, I've mentioned the Black Pumas to a lot of my musician friends, and not one of them mm. has heard of them. So that, I guess that's where I get that from, that they're not as widely known as they're... As, but then the Norwegian music scene is, is quite different from the American music scene. I've, so. I've, uh, I've introduced people to Black Pumas, uh, uh, I mean, for the last probably three or four months. And I don't think any of the people that I've shown any of their songs to have uh, uh, not liked it. You can play every song on their uh, yeah. newest album on the radio yeah. without, I mean, it would fit right in. And uh, you could be a guitar lover. You love the music. You soul his and you James Brown. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. It, Eric, I can't remember his last name. Do you? Oh gosh, no. Um... I'm sorry about that. He's, Absolutely amazing. His voice, he was busking in Austin before I'm gonna look things it up started now. to happen. I'm yeah. going to look it up now because that bothers me that I cannot remember his full name. Let's see. Uh, uh -huh. There we go. The Black Pumas. Yeah, Eric Burton uh, and, yeah. Uh, and Adrian Quesada. Adrian and he was uh, Prince Prince's uh, guitarist yeah. on tour. How about that? Is, yeah. And that says a lot uh, about his musicianship, because Prince has never it, had any uh, bad musicians in his band. Black belt in every instrument possible. Yes. Prince had and if you're his if you're his guitarist, then you should be pretty good. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, they have to. His guitarist has to be able to play the parts that he created himself in the studio. Sometimes, mm. um, gosh, I miss Prince. Oh man, it it breaks my heart that. Um, of course, we're going to hear new music. I think Prince is releasing an album that, at the end of this month. Really, uh, his estate is released. Yeah, a whole new. Uh, um, 
what's it called? Is it called Welcome to America, I think? or Yeah, I have to look that up. But he's coming with a, a full album of unreleased material at the end of this month. And that's good. But what breaks my heart is that knowledge that he will never create any new music because he's gone. Because he I was, feel that way yeah, with yeah. a lot of artists. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a weird feeling because you don't know how he, I don't know, but probably you don't, didn't know Prince personally. No, no. Uh, but it still makes an impact when, Absolutely. when people like that passed away. He, uh, he sweated. He sweated on me when he was in here in Oslo uh, in 2011. Snoopy and I were right at the edge, right there at the edge of the stage, and I was very surprised because you know, uh, in the floor space in front of most of these concerts at Oslo's uh, Spectrum, they have the mm-hmm. gate that is maybe you know, sometimes as much as 10, 15 meters away from the stage, but the gate here was like, you know, you could reach out over the gate and touch the edge of the stage. So that's how close we were to him. And wow. he came, came to the edge of the stage in front of Snoopy and I, and he was playing this killer guitar solo. And, and he did like this little spin move and sweat f- flew off of him <laughs> and, and landed and landed on me. And I felt like a, you know, like a 12 year old teenage, you know, like a 15 year old teenager in 1960 when the Beatles came to America Screen, got a little you know, bit of the prince juice yeah, on you. you know, I got you, prince juice on me. <laughs> oh. You go back home and just and play the play the uh, the guitar, and you could do like solos you couldn't do before. Well, well there must have been some pheromones or something in his sweat because Snoop was ex- ex- extra extra lovable to me for a couple of days after that. So, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> so, thank you, Prince. Right. May you rest in There's peace. There's something, something, something weird too about like when uh an idol of you or if you meet or see a person or you you cross paths with the person that you've followed for a long time and that means a lot to you yes that's that's a very very strange but very cool feeling to see i remember the first time i saw ed sheeran on stage yeah and he walked up there and then suddenly he was there he is there he is ed sheeran standing Two meters in front of me, I could shout now. I, I, I'm heckling, and he'll, he'll hear me if I, yeah. if I if I shout out. I've had it's, a couple of those experiences. Um, you know, of course, I've been to a lot of concerts, but the first time I got that that real feeling of wow, there he is, there they are, was when Neil Young came to Oslo Concert House, and I can't remember what <clears> year this was. Was it 2005, maybe? And it was just him, the way I like him best, solo acoustic. And Snoopy and I were pretty much center stage, maybe five. I think we were in the sixth row back. So we were fairly close to him. And it just, it was the strangest feeling. It's like, oh my gosh, here he is. This man whose music I've been loving since before, almost before I could even talk. I've been following his music for so long. and And there he was. And it's not about celebrity either. It's about like, for me as a musician, I know how much it takes to get yeah. to a point where they are. I could, I could see another celebrity on the street. I live yeah, in Greenland. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the most uh, you you see famous people everywhere. It's yeah. it's, it's uh, yeah. very unimportant to me. Yeah. Inspiring people. That's yeah. that's what I like. To. Yeah, and, you know. Uh, 
sitting there and seeing someone like Neil Young or Ed Sheeran that close up and then you you share that connection as a musician, you know what it took for you to get where you are. And then you can just multiply that by whatever, you know, uh, in terms of the success that that musician has had. And it's very, it's a strange feeling. It's this weird feeling of inspiration, this feeling of motivation mixed with uh, that sense of celebrity, that sense of accomplishment. It's just, it's just a weird mixture. Yeah. I don't know. I'll I'll have a way to see when I work with uh, with uh, with Ed Sheeran. I'll ask him. Would that be if cool? If he feels the same. Would that I be think, cool to uh, open for him? Uh, I, I couldn't even imagine that. I mean, How about this? I, I don't know. How about this? He, you you get a gig to open on a on a uh, Scandinavian tour with him. So yeah. you have maybe six to eight weeks with him, and you open for him every night, and then like halfway through. Like maybe after two weeks of doing that, he sees how good you are. He appreciates you, and then he asks you every every evening to join him for a song on stage. And Sharon, I need you to um, <laughs> to divorce your wife. <laughs> I, I know you just uh, had a child. Um, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you want me, then you want just all of me, and uh, just all just of you. me. <laughs> No, I mean, he is a big inspiration to me. Yes. I would do about it. I, I mean, I would probably do it for free just uh, just to learn and, and get the experiences. Yes, yeah. And I don't know. Maybe one day. I think it's, it's uh, scary to think about even. Because um, I have goals for the next five years. I have goals for the next 10 years. And I know what I'm going to do after, after that as well. Yeah. And maybe he... Uh, yeah, so part of my plans. I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll, well, I'll tell you. You you <clears> never <throat> know, Frederick. You never know where your art will lead you. Um, you have this five year plan. I can tell you, it's probably not going to happen the way you think. And I say that in a positive way. You know, things. Yeah. You know, better things than you ever expected may happen. You know, I never. You know, here I am. I've been talking about Neil Young and Prince, uh, but to go back to Neil Young, I never imagined that I would ever get to work with one of his greatest producers, Elliot Mazur, uh, who, right. who produced uh, his uh, Neil's Harvest album. I got to work with Elliot Mazur here in Norway. Oh. I had a two, uh, two and a half hour drive with him from uh, Lars Voldstahl's uh, studio in Spidebadik. And mm-hmm. uh, it was terrible weather, snow on the ground. It was crazy. So we were driving real slow, but that just meant that I had a longer drive alone, just me and Elliot Mazur from the studio and back to Drummond. Wow. I'll that's, never forget that. That's, that's a very good drive. I will never forget that. I mean, you, you want to talk about unexpected thing. I, I was going to say dreams come true, but this wasn't even a dream because I never expected it. I couldn't ever imagine that something like that would happen. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it did happen. So that's where your art is going to take you. It's going to take you to experiences like that, that you never Never would have dreamed of. I can just see that happen. I'm telling your future. I can see things like that happening for you because well, that's the kind of talent you have. As long as you you, you continue working hard on, on a certain project, I don't think it matters really what it is as long as you put in the hours. But um, aren't, aren't people afraid to put in the hours? Isn't it such that... You know, you're quite a bit younger than me, and, I, and I, I'm and i not one of these people who, who talks down to... Uh, 
to Generation Z and all that stuff. But I will say this. Younger people, like from your age and a little bit younger, they seem to have a different work ethic. They seem to not expect to have to work as hard to have success. What do you What do you think about it? What, what do you, how do you feel when I say something like that? Or, um, I don't want to sound I like think, an old guy yelling at you know yelling no. at the kids, but 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 it just seems to be that young people have a different work ethic. Uh, a, a, a larger expectation for quick success without the work. Well, when, when in your life did the internet really become big? When did what it become age? big? Uh, well, if we say in the late, let, let's say in 1990, you know, eight, 99, I was, yeah. I was 29, 30 years old. I was 29 years old in 1998, 29. Think about growing up today. If you're eight years old and you already have a smartphone and you can go on TikTok every day and just scroll through and you use six hours a day yeah. watching stuff, yeah. you're not being creative. You're not outside. You Maybe you go now, you don't even go to school. You sit at home and then your mom and your dad tells you what to do. And then you do that for a couple hours and then you're back on the phone. Or it's you're, pretty unhealthy. I think it will, uh, I mean, a lot of people are very creative on those platforms like TikTok. I, I, I think there's some positivity to it. I, I think a lot of musicians, um, have a lot to gain from, from TikTok and Instagram. And I, I mean, I'm on Reddit all the time. I need people to just stay on that page for, for me to have any viewers. But I think it's very easy for a lot of people to get into the mindset where, okay, I'm just going to do what I have to do and then I'll escape into um, TikTok or Maybe that's whatever, what it is. It's an escape. Media. Maybe it's an escape for them. Maybe it is, uh, you know, they see that TikTok star or that YouTuber who's getting all of this uh, attention and sometimes a lot of money and they're they're not thinking about what it took to get there because as much as older people like to talk bad about youtubers or tiktokers there is a certain amount of creativity and work that has to go into that in order to be successful yeah but maybe I mean, a lot of kids don't understand that the first time i ever played live here in oslo I was so nervous i couldn't stand up and I, I i had to get a chair because my feet uh, they were they weren't supporting me anymore yeah yeah and i still chose to go back there and do it the next week as well that's pretty tough that's a that's a I, that's that's i wanted to do focus. it yeah. i wanted to like okay what can i do to make my legs not shake yeah. so i can stand up and so that my set gets better and you have to find all these things and try to that's why i watch a lot of my streams over again to analyze and to like find yeah. weak spots and try to uh, correct them or yeah i i i try to have some like fluidity or whatever sure. you say sure yeah <clears throat> but um a setlist is a setlist it needs to sound it first off it needs to sound like the record yeah. And it also needs to sound more or less the same every yeah. time. Yeah. So people 
can repeat it and uh, learn the lyrics yeah. and uh, you know want to listen to your music. That's interesting the way you uh, go back and analyze your performances. That's actually a very healthy thing to do. Um, but I can't do it. <laughs> I have never, yeah. oh gosh, you know, it, it's been a long time since I performed music live, but when I was doing it and, and when I did have any video footage of it, I could, I just couldn't watch it. I can't stand. And, and, and this podcast, as much as I speak, I never go back and watch or listen to my podcast. I just can't do it. If I get on uh -uh. TV, if I'm on the, the television, the news <laughs> and stuff here, I cannot watch it. Can't do this it. Why? I don't why? know. I don't know. I don't You're know like Johnny Depp. He never, never watches his movies. I guess I, you know as much as I talk about, uh, <laughs> as much as I talk about having goals and, and th thinking positive and being positive. Obviously, I have some sort of an issue because I can't bring myself to watch myself perform. I, now, when I do stand-up, <clears throat> uh, which I hope to get back to very soon, uh, I record that. I record the audio on that, and that I can go back and listen to. Um, and I do that, you know, to reevaluate and rewrite my my lines and things like that. But to watch... Do you also listen to the audience, uh, how the audience receives yes. it? Yes, because I found that... Um, well, I found this also as a musician performing, but maybe more so as a stand-up comedian, that I very often misinterpret the audience reaction. Yeah. Like if I'm trying some new material and I maybe stumble over the lines so it's not as funny as I know it could have been, mm. my ears tell me, well, there's not very many people laughing. That was terrible. But then I find, not all the time, but very often when I go back and listen, there were a lot of people laughing actually. So it's just my own mental process that is blocking out a part of that positive audience reaction. Yeah. And there's a lesson to be learned in there. You know, I'm, I'm, first of all, it tells me I'm my own worst critic, but it also tells me something about, um, um, confidence and self image. You know, you can sit on stage as a musician or you can stand in front of the mic as a stand up comedian. And there's a lesson in your own self evaluation. Um, uh, that that tells me anyway that I shouldn't be so hard on myself because it's usually better a better performance than I thought it was. Yeah. It's it's it shows me that I'm way too <laughs> critical. I'm way too hard on myself. I shouldn't be my own worst uh, critic. Somebody else should have that job of being my my negative critic. I don't want to do. I don't want to be that guy. I'm pretty happy I do it though. I get a lot. I mean, yeah. I think it's easier for me to be confident on stage if I know exactly what I'm doing sure, and how it sounds and how it yeah. sounds to the people listening. But see, that's a testament to how messed up I am uh, because <laughs> I understand the value of that, of going back and reevaluating performances, but I still, I, I still can't do it. Still can't do it. Uh, I, I can't stand, especially this TV stuff uh, or, or, you know, now that I've gone over to a video podcast, I just can't stand watching myself on video. Can't do it. So when you're FaceTiming, you're not pushing your own face to have you as the nope. big one and then just your nope. wife in the corner? No? Nope. Nope. Okay. No. <laughs> can't do it. I mean, confidence is the key word here. You want confidence if you're 
in live see, anywhere. But see, it's weird because while I'm doing it, while I'm doing a podcast or while I'm on TV, I'm very comfortable. And I'm really enjoying myself and I'm not feeling uh, um, any insecurity, not at all, not in the slightest bit. But that mm. insecurity comes if I am in a position to where I have to watch it afterwards. That's when the insecurity comes. Because yeah. then I'm afraid I'll see that I said something stupid or I didn't make sense what I said or I'm standing in a weird way or <laughs> I have snot running out of my nose while I'm on camera. So, you know, that's when all of those thoughts come. But in the moment, I'm very much there. I mean, I, I there, there's to me, there's a therapeutic thing in performing in being on the microphone or being on TV and expressing myself. But all of the insecurity comes afterwards. Okay, that's very interesting. So, well, it's weird. I'm, mental is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and also the thing is now if I do make a mistake, yeah, I uh, I probably know it before I even did it because yeah. I know what leads up to a mistake. If I if there's a comment and then um, I just got uh, prescription glasses and so I can actually read them in front of me yeah. and. Uh, I started to think about that comment and then where, where, where was I in this course now? Yeah. And yeah. uh, that's the only thing that, that messes up for me. Yeah, no, I, I'm a mess when I, I, you know, I, I can tell you what's going to happen on Saturday. There's going to be a, a thing on NRK about me. Like I said, they were filming me all day uh, a couple of days ago. Snoop. Hello. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be on TV, uh, and my family will sit down. They'll turn on the television at, at, at uh, you know, when it's going to come on, and I'm probably going to get up and walk out of the room. Yeah. I won't I won't be able to. Don't watch it. <laughs> I just won't be able to watch it, I, and I know that. Well, well, if that's your rule, then that's your rule. As long as it works for you, I guess that's, that's Oh, God, fine. it works for me. I think I'd be uh, – I, I think I would be – like I say, I'm already my own worst critic, and I think I would be even more critical if I were to watch something like that because then all those thoughts of, oh, God, why did you say it in that way or why did you? But my, my number one goal is to not have them have to text my Norwegian when they show. <laughs> I'm so glad that they don't do that. You know, when you oh, have, no. you have a, if you have a foreigner uh, on TV and you have to text their thing, uh, me and Snoopy always joke back and forth that, oh, my gosh, I have to keep my Norwegian up so they never have to text <laughs> my Norwegian. So. <laughs> uh, no, because they uh, they'll be as surprised as I was the first time I heard you talk Norwegian in the, in your accent. I mean, it's uh, it's a very uh, I don't think there are many Americans that know Norwegian in the accent that you do. Yeah, there's um, that's something that I'm very proud of. I am so proud of you should be of my control of Norwegian and that I learned I learned it very quickly and then I just keep expanding on it. So I am. I'm very proud of that. Although there was a period over the last year where things got a little rough with my Norwegian because I, I hadn't been out much and I had been, uh, I've been doing as many podcast episodes as I have been doing and those go in English so that mm. I was speaking very little Norwegian actually. And then I started it's to, a- I started to notice that it was getting bad if I was on the telephone with somebody um, oh. or actually one of the times on, um, 
it's about a month and a half ago. I was on uh, Nihetsmon, the morning, uh, the morning uh, broadcast of the news on NRK, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I really felt like I was struggling to to express myself in Norwegian. Do you talk in English at home? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, yeah, but I, you know, but I have to because to sp- and I really noticed this the other day when this uh, f- film crew was here all day, so I was speaking Norwegian all day. And it's it's tiring. It's a mental exercise for me to speak Norwegian over a long yeah. period of time. So I figure when I'm at home, I want to relax. And plus, Snoopy wants to make sure that she still, um, you know, keeps her English uh, uh, abilities up. So sh- so she wants me to speak English with her. It's probably pretty good. If she talks English to you, it should be. Uh... <laughs> Well, huh? yeah, yeah. How do I say it? She, she, her English vocabulary is pretty good. Um, she still struggles with pronunciation on certain things, but I, I think it's sweet. I, as I always tell her, I hope you never learn how to speak proper English. I love, <laughs> I love her accent. So yeah, it's the same with me, you know, because I talk, you know, I, say, I think in Norwegian, and I need to translate it in my head. So as we're talking now, I'm trying to uh, so get into process. the English mind mindset. Yeah, just yeah. try to think in English. And it would get uh, tiring. It would probably get tired. You know, and you speak <clears throat> English very well. I mean, there's no issues there at all. But you would probably get a little tired if we had a two, three, four hour long podcast or if you had to speak English all day long. It's a it's a mental process that makes you a little bit tired. Definitely. I was 16 when I moved to Cambridge in the UK. And, uh, I mean, Norwegian 16-year-olds are probably, yeah. the English level is probably pretty good since we were on. Sure. But uh, that was uh, that was a big, uh, big change to me, to uh, wake up and uh, get your English breakfast, do anything, you know, everything in, in English, even, even um some poor lady tried to teach me uh, French in English, oh. which uh, okay. I did. I couldn't do when there was a Norwegian lady trying to uh, oh, teach yeah, me yeah. French. But uh, you know, I never, I, uh, I never thought about that. Learning a new language in Norwegian, how would I handle that? That's an interesting thing. No. Yeah. What if you go to a course to learn Mandarin in yeah. Norwegian? Yeah. Wow. Think about that. That would be meta, meta. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> should we talk about? Should we talk about um, what I? Uh, well, we talked to each other like a couple months ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, and and shame on us, by the way. We shouldn't let it go so long without uh, without speaking with each other, man. No, but I'm <laughs> I'm thinking about that particular thing that I asked you for a lot of advice on. Yeah, man, uh, talk about that. I I want to know how uh, how did that turn out where where are you in that process now so big announcement i don't think i have a, i have like a tag them in instagram posts and stuff but i have signed uh um a deal with um cortado records is the name of the imprint it's an imprint of of compro records say, and, say the uh, name of it again cortado like the coffee hmm. Um, Congratulations. Well, thank you. And you knew about this. I did. Uh, I did. Yeah. yeah. John was one of the first people I talked to when I uh, got the opportunity. And uh, I right. wanted to know 
I mean, I I don't want to go in detail about the about the deal because I don't know what I'm allowed to say. But, uh, yeah, no, that's your personal. You know, say whatever you're comfortable saying. It, it's it's an interesting story and it was an interesting process. And I do want to say that I was honored that you came to me uh, for guidance on that. I felt like oh yeah. Somebody, somebody needs Uncle John's help here. It was, and it was, it was really, an, right. it was really an honor that you came to me, and I'm glad I could help out. You know, I think the most important part of uh, trying, or one of the most important parts of trying to make it in the music industry, is listening to people with more experience than you. And I'm very fortunate to be to, to have your number on my contact list. Yeah, thanks, man. You. That's a sweet thing to say. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this time for the release uh, on the 28th, it's it's with the record label, which is uh, cool. That. It was a press release going out with my uh, picture on it. I, uh, I mean... Uh, That's exciting. N- and not that much has changed, to be honest, but I work with uh, people now that wants me to succeed, which is... Uh, yes. which is uh, Awesome. And, it's, that uh, they are... <clears throat> it's that helping hand. It's that little lift forward, you know? Yeah. And not only, but it's also a motivation. Yes. I know I, now I have more people depending on me doing good. Um, so I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to train. I'm going to write more music, play more live, try to do everything in my power. You, you, you can't see me smiling because you're not on a video feed, but I am smiling so big now <laughs> to hear you talk about that. Um, the importance of, okay, you know, you're, you're a musician, you're, you're an artist. And of course you have to take care of your art, but in order to be in the best possible position to practice your art, there's that whole aspect of your physical health. That is yeah. important. Gosh, I love hearing you say that. And I'll tell you this, John, I haven't had a carbo- carbohydrate since uh, <laughs> Christmas. I uh, have stopped drinking beer. I have stopped eating bread, rice, pasta, sugar, everything that's good. I'm, I'm mostly just eating like um, <laughs> proteins. I, I, I went keto for a while. It worked awesome. perfectly, yeah. but uh, I, I need some um, some greens. You know, I need, I yeah. need uh, to spice it up a bit. So yeah. now I'm mostly just eating like proteins, um, eggs, and uh, like a salad or something on sure. the side. Sure. No, but if you throw in some, uh, I call them the earth vegetables, things like potato. Uh, I'm sorry, not potatoes, but um, like radishes, um, carrots, um, uh, even broccoli. If you throw that into your to your keto diet, it's going to give you more of a feeling of being, um, uh, you know, well fed. It's going to fill your stomach out, so you'll you'll be less hungry, and it will actually give you more energy. And it's not going to put a single ounce of body fat on you. But if you just I think those the, things. the best thing about the keto diet is that uh, I, my energy level is so, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't peak. It doesn't go down. Yeah. It's just very, very like linear the whole day. So uh, yeah. earlier, if I, if I had a big lunch and maybe like two hours afterwards, I just crashed and I had to have a nap for an hour and then I couldn't yeah. sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I didn't use to train either, but I, I've started running because I think that's wow. Uh, wow. So now I, I I've been at my my mother's place for a couple months now. Just uh, you know, nothing to do in Oslo. I can stay there, and they have a treadmill. I've been using uh-huh. the treadmill. Nice. Yesterday I went out running in the rain with my friend, which is running in the rain is fine. It's uh, it wasn't too much. It was it was just 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 perfect where it kept our body temperatures down. Yeah. We can just run forever. Yeah. So what what is it that made you uh, have this newfound focus on your physical health? Did you well, have a conversation with someone, or is this just something that you kind of fell into of your own accord? I was pretty active uh, before the pandemic, not training, but just I walk everywhere, yeah. and I always had a place to be. I was on always on the go. I didn't eat particularly good or whatever, but after stuff uh, closed again, I was uh, in my room in the apartment watching television, eating pizza, gaining weight. Uh, and also, uh, I started struggling with my mental health. Ah, yes. yes. Um, so I went back home. I went so far, I, I had to go see a doctor. Oh, really? Um, really? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty. I, I have no problem talking about it. I just don't know what to say because I know a lot of people has it worse than me. Um, but it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been a year of up and downs, and that was definitely one of the, one of the low points. I feel much better now, though. After yeah. I started um, being productive again, I think that's. Well, the most important. I think what happened over the last year is that a lot of people with relatively mild mental issues, mental health issues, you know, things that maybe they just accepted and lived with, it kind of got magnified during the pandemic. You know, um, like I said earlier, you know, I've been doing just fine, you know, with the isolation and, and, and less contact, but I tell you, it's, it has really affected some people. Some people have really been damaged by that. Or like I say, the, the, the mental issues that they had before the pandemic pandemic have just been magnified. So I think that's happened to a lot of people. And, and, and it says a lot about you that you'll speak on, that you'll speak on that. It's kind of like me sharing my, you know, struggles and everything. I'm not afraid to talk about it either because uh, you never know who you might help just by talking. I was, I was very afraid to talk about it for a long time. Sure. Sure. It it kind of got, I mean, people, I think people started, started to notice it. And uh, yeah, the best, the best possible solution is to try to get help. And the first time I went to the doctor's office, I wasn't, uh, I almost didn't talk to him at all because I was very, very uncomfortable in the situation. But it made me realize that now I have a doctor also trying to fix me. Shouldn't I also try to fix myself? Yeah. So yeah. it's this no, thing. I, no, I was going to say it's no, this thing please. when when you get an ally, someone who is mm-hmm. on your side, uh, who is wishing you the best, it kind of becomes ridiculous that you yourself don't wish yourself the best and do things to make yourself better. So that outside assistance can very often 
motivate a person to start assisting themselves. Definitely. Yeah. And we're very lucky here in Norway to to have three. I mean, is it psychiatrists? Psychiatrists, uh, mental health, yeah, yeah mental health uh, access. Yeah. yeah, if you mental go to your doctor, yeah. yeah, if you go to your doctor and talk to them, yes, uh, you'll get it for free. Yeah, which yeah. is which is um, necessary, but also very very. Uh, I don't know where I would have been if I didn't get help uh, three, four months ago. I think I would be in a very different situation. What, I don't what, think there will ever be a record deal. I don't think there will ever be a song. Uh, let me tell yeah. you something. I, I, maybe I should have told you this at the time, but I've thought since then that um, when you and I were talking about your this contract, uh, this deal that it, that you had been presented with, I got the feeling that um, that you were depressed at that time. I think it was around that time. Yes, yeah. and and I, yeah, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But what I what I've been thinking from time to time since then is that I should have said directly to you that I think you're depressed, and I should have asked you if you were, and then asked you if there was anything I could do to help. But what I did instead was just try to vocalize my support for you in general and vocalize my appreciation of your talent and whatnot. I don't know if that helped. I don't know how that affected you, but how would you have reacted if I would have confront, yeah, confronted you at that time and said, hey, man, you seem to be uh, a little depressed? I mean... I had a hard time talking to my parents about it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, would you have distanced yourself? My relationship, my relationship with my parents are very, very good. I, I love them both to yeah. death. Yeah. And we always say we talk about everything. Nothing is a secret. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's a. Uh, I, I I don't know what to say because uh, if you were to confront me, it will probably be a positive thing. But you never know how a person in that situation will react. That's very true. Yeah, that's very true. You don't you don't know how a person re and the reaction to that kind of a uh, confrontation can be wildly different <laughs> from person to person. Um, but I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter because here you are and you say you're feeling better and you, you know, you have this great deal. You've got a new single coming, you know, uh, you and I get to talk again, you know, it's, it's looking better and better every yeah. day. And the sun is staying up for longer. Yeah, I was uh, riding around in the car yesterday at the 10 in the evening yeah. and it was still light outside. I'm looking out at the park outside the apartment right now, and the trees are green. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I mean, beautiful girls walking past here right now. I think that that helps. I got to tell you, there are some, and, and I don't want my people here in Drummond to get upset with me, <laughs> but there are some beautiful good-looking people so many men and women walking around Oslo and they look like they came right out of a magazine Scandi Scandi style is, is just trending now isn't it it's gonna yeah. be bigger and bigger yeah yeah I think if, if you really want to see I mean I think 
Denmark and and uh, Sweden. It's even it's on another on another level. Uh, Here we nah, we like I we like I disagree I with do? you. People always uh, talk about people always talk about Swedish women. I'm sorry. I see a lot more. I mean, I married a Norwegian woman. There's a reason for that. That's where the yeah, best. Right. That's where the best looking Scandinavian women are. Well, so, I'll take it. I'll yeah, take you it. know. <laughs> no, there's some no. beautiful people walking around in Oslo, though. They just look. The people there look so. It's 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 different there. There's a certain glow that people have in Oslo. They're more. They seem more happy, more satisfied, less stressed. They're in better shape. They're just more. They they seem to be in a better place in Oslo. I I noticed yet, that. Yesterday was also the the, the whole city was uh, on another wavelength because yesterday you were able to go to a bar again. You, uh, That's right. Only that, only yeah. only only a week ago or so, or two weeks. Yeah, yeah. The all everything. Was yes. Now you can go. Uh, Clothes shopping, you can go have a beer in the well, sun, you the can last go eat, time, whatever. The last time I was in Oslo um, was when I did stand-up there in June. Well, I've been <clears> to Oslo, you know, different appointments, but to actually be in the city, in the streets, was in June last summer. <clears> and it was creepy. I mean, it was so quiet and nobody out on the streets. Um I took the train. I took the train into Oslo. Nobody was on the train. Nobody. It, it was just weird. It was a weird situation. I'm used to. I live right in the middle of uh, one of the most populated places in Oslo, where there's a lot of young people, a lot of people, a lot of bars, and yeah. uh, you know the scene up here in the car. Yeah. Um, there, there's always been. A noise coming from the outside. Now yeah. there's nothing anymore. You can walk the streets and you can hear loud music from That's strange, apartments. Isn't it? That's so strange. But you never hear anything from from the outside. No. And, no. And, how, how far uh, are you? How far away from Steinar's place are you? How long does it take you to walk there? Uh, two minutes. Yeah. Probably. Okay. So you're right. right it's there. in the same same street. Same street. Oh, just walk. Okay. Upwards yeah. and then the first park, yeah. I doxed myself. Okay. Right and that and is then, a very populated and very busy. There's always a lot of activity there. So, so yeah, again, the last time I was there and to see nobody walking in the streets, no, not, only a car or two from time to time, but no people in the streets. It was weird, very weird. I think that's too, and that's another reason why I didn't have such a great year this year because I'm used to being very social. Yeah, and then, um, I mean, the, the apartment I live in is fine, but the room isn't very big. Yeah, and now I need to stay in here all times. Before I'm almost never home. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's certain factors that contribute, but I, yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking somebody is coming into my studio, but it's the I have the I have a uh, big uh, porch just on mm -hmm. the other side of the wall to my to my studio and i have the glass door open so the air pressure is opening and closing my door i finally figured uh -huh. that out. i've been looking <laughs> over my shoulder every five seconds here because i keep thinking someone's walking in my studio and anyway, anyway. No. <laughs> um 
it's it does it, it it feels good to hear that you're in such a good place. Like I said, it's been it's been a long time since we since we spoke, and um, uh, we shouldn't let that happen again. That we take so so long time uh, before we speak again. But it's so good to hear you're doing well. It's good to hear that uh, you have this single. What's the name of the single again? It's called "Stay on My Mind." Stay on uh, my mind. Available everywhere. Available everywhere. From and, Friday. Uh, it's, from Friday on. Yeah. Friday on. It's uh, most acoustic song I've ever done. Um, just me and a guitar. Almost no reverb at all. Man, even in the it. first word. And then it. Anna comes in with her beautiful voice in the chorus and in the second verse. And uh, yeah. What's, it, what's Anna's last it. name so people can find her? Uh, she's, I am, let me just find the Instagram handle. <laughs> I am Anna Music. Yeah. You know so what, you can, you can send me that. When, and when I post this episode, I'll put that in the description so people can get to her directly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's very, very good, and uh, the producer as well is the same producer we talked about yeah. uh, in the two previous episodes. Um, Howard, yeah. you know, I yes. uh, yeah. I love that guy. He's yeah. the best, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been very fun to have more people involved in the in the process. Now there's people working for promotion, and uh, uh, yeah. Well, I tell you, it's an honor that you uh, that you come on my podcast to make this announcement about your single coming out. Uh, so I appreciate that. And uh, all of these people who are now uh, pushing for you to to get you out there, pulling for you, and 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 lifting you uh, lifting you higher, is a sign of the uh, the talent that you have. But it's also a sign. Uh, uh, something that speaks to your to your personality, who you are as a person. You're just a good guy, and, and people people tend to want you to to, to succeed in, in all ways, and that says a lot about your personality. Thank you. I mean, I always have a hard time taking compliments, but I uh, I really appreciate it, John, and I. I it, there, there is a lot of very nice comments coming my way. I stream 99% of them are positive. People are very, very supportive. Yeah. Uh, it just takes time to build a career and to build a it portfolio does. where, it does. where it's, there's a lot of people doing the same stuff as me or trying to do the same or trying to reach the same goals. Sure, but there's and a lot of place. There's a lot of space out there as well. There's room for you. You know, you've got a lot of. You're young. You've got a lot of songs in you, and you certainly know how to perform them. So, putting all that together, it's just a question of time. It's a question of content. You know, as you write more songs, it's more of a testament uh, that people can see what you're doing and, and what you're all about. And mm. uh, yeah, sure, there's a lot of talented people out there, but there's there's room for even more. So you're, you're going to do well. You're already doing well. You're going to just do better. You're going to do. I'm going to continue either way. If I do bad or do good, that uh, in the end, it doesn't really matter because I'm going to just continue still gonna do it. Yeah. making music anyways. And isn't that what it's all about? That, that, that immediate pleasure that you get when you get to exercise on the microphone with your voice and that guitar. I, 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 
that's my meditation. Okay, yes. so if if you're a monk and you uh, someone told you you you're not allowed to meditate anymore, you would yeah. be pretty pissed off. I think. Yeah, yeah. I need the meditation. I need to do it. I need to sharpen the sword just to like uh, keep it keep it ready for battle when things open again. Yeah, yeah. Well. I tell you, your uh, your your time is coming. You you're gonna. There's things gonna. I, I, like I said, Uncle John can tell the future, and I see nothing but success for you. So. Well, let's hope so. Maybe I'll win the lottery or something. Let's see. <laughs> well, oh. if you ever need a security expert, give me a call. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm in the process. Security. You were talking about health uh, earlier, and I'm in the process of getting back in the shape. I've had all these uh, these operations and that unexpected neck operation in February, but uh, now it's time to get back in the shape. So you're exercising uh, as good as I can. It's mostly a lot of walking, and I'm adjusting my diet. Well, it, when it comes to my diet, now I'm fasting. Um, I'm doing long-term fasting. I'm talking like uh, 48 to 72 hour fasts where I don't Ooh. eat anything. Um, no water as well? Or on some of those days, I will go with no water. I've done an 84 or uh, 86 hour total fast. It's called a dry fast. It's where you don't eat or drink anything. Ah. So I've well. done that before. Um, and it's quite effective. Um and I think I, I do inter intermittent fasting. I do now. So I have, uh, intermittent fasting is a good thing. Yeah. But this is. Yeah, uh, I do 14 or 16 hours, I think. 16 hours. But this is uh, this is intermittent fasting on uh, on, hi <laughs> on hyperdrive. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, th does it work though? Are you enjoying the fast or the results of them? Yes, because I've done it so many times before, I'm used to it. It's like. Um, uh, you know, and it's real normal for me to go 16 hours without eating regardless. So I feel the first couple of hours after maybe 16 hours, like when I wake up in the morning for two, a couple of three hours, I'll be mm. super hungry. But then mm. I just find an activity or I do, I'll do a podcast or some work in relation to my podcast or I'll do some writing and that hunger feeling goes over and then I'll be fine for another day, you know. So just eat um, some, uh, eat some cotton, have a cigarette. Do the model uh, model lunch. <laughs> I should I should start I should start smoking crack. That'll help. <laughs> yeah, get some energy in you. Energy. I think if you do crack, then I think you'll be able to run. You can run and run and <laughs> run and lose all the ways you want to. Well, uh, I, oh, you need to go to the dentist afterwards. Also, that's, yeah, that's probably, probably. No, but I'll tell you, fasting long term like that, your body starts to produce more. Uh, growth hormone and testosterone, which then raises your energy level. Surprisingly enough, if you fast long enough, you will actually start to get more energy. And again, do you lose muscle though? Uh, no. Uh, when you fast again and you start to produce, when, you, when, when it's a total fast over, and I'm talking long term, like 36 hours plus, your body will also start to produce, like I said, more testosterone, more growth hormone. And what does testosterone and growth hormone do? Build muscle. So you, it has been, yeah. there's been studies done where people are actually building muscle 
while they're fasting. Now that doesn't mean that you can train like a, like a, like a wild man, because then you're going to break down muscle and you're not going to have the nutrition to build that muscle back up. But if you adjust your training, I, for example, I fasted for, um, I had a couple weeks of, of, uh, 72 hour fasts. Uh, fast for 72 hours, do a refeed, go right back and fast again. And during that time, I was setting some personal records with the amount of weight I was lifting for my powerlifting training. Oh, okay. So, so that, and... right there, that, that's the testament to the fact that you can actually, because of that, that extra production of growth hormone and testosterone naturally in the body while fasting, you can actually build your strength and your muscle mass. And it feels so good when when I, when I start seeing or feeling like the changes in my body. Yeah. If I uh, didn't run, I I don't think I ran for the first month or two on on keto, yeah. and then I tried running after I lost like seven or eight kilos. And it felt so good. It's a different life, literally. Can, it's literally I can a different move life. my body yeah. in a different way. Yes. The hills doesn't feel uh, that challenging yeah. anymore. Yeah. I can uh, I can keep the pace up with my friends. I can follow them. I mean, everything is better except for the twenty minutes during dinner time. Yeah. No, I, a, uh, I I I know exactly what that's all about. I got in horrible shape uh, over this past year. And it's not because of COVID, but it's because of these operations that I've had and yeah. and feeling a little bit down because of that. So I just kind of, I, I didn't train um, and I definitely didn't eat right. So just after a couple of days now of having a new focus and deciding that now I'm going to get back into shape, I feel like a totally different person. Totally uh, operations different person. like that. Operations like that will, will screw you up though. These if you can't move. Down. Yeah. Yes, exactly. exactly. I have a close family member who had issues with his back for for a long time. And he was in shape before before it happened and he had four operations on his yeah. back. Yeah. And uh well in addition to being a, a man in his fifties. Yeah. Uh doesn't help very well when you then start eating as you did before just right. without exactly uh, moving your exactly. You know, well, but so, it's, uh, but it helps when you're in shape before something like that happens. I mean, if I wasn't as as big and strong as I was before these these last couple of operations, I would really be a mess. I mean, I'm in bad bad shape now, but I would be so much worse off if I wasn't in shape before. So I, I want to ask you about the weightlifting. Sure, you, you you did it professionally. Yeah, I have the I have the Norwegian record in. Uh, uh, so-called utstyrsfritt, uh, you know, uh, squat, uh, raw squat. I have a Norwegian record. I got that when I was 50 in 2019. Damn. How much was it? 335.5 kilos. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and that, that right there, and this is, okay, this is in the middle of all, you know, I've had like seven or eight uh, shoulder operations and this neck operation. So this was after what, or... This was after, this was right before my most recent shoulder. So I'd had maybe what six or seven shoulder operations at that time. Mm. I couldn't I could barely bench the weight of just the bar. That's twenty kilos. I could barely do, do that. But I got do you that. Think, 
I got that squat record though. You think the um, the issues you're having is due to the weightlifting? I'm sorry, say that again. I couldn't hear you. You think the the issues you're having are, no. are comes from the weightlifting? No. What, what happened? No. What it, what happened was um, when I was training for the North America. I'm sorry for the uh, the U.S. National Championships back in 2015. Um, then, uh, while I was training, some knucklehead in the gym bumped into the bar. I was benching like, like 210 kilos or something like that during training. And this guy runs into the bar and knocked it kind of like knocked it, uh, out of my, and I got this horrible twist in my, in my shoulder. And that was the start of all my problems with my shoulder. And since then, uh, I haven't, well, you know, for example, at that, 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 uh, powerlifting meet where I, uh, got the squat record, I got 335.5 in squat, but of course you all, in powerlifting, you have to do squat bench and deadlift. I had the highest uh-huh. squat, but the lowest bench, even the, the, the ladies benched more than me. I benched just the bar and the two, uh, collars on the bar, which is 25 kilos. Oh, that was my bench. Um, but because you were injured then. because of my shoulder yeah what's your what's your max on the on the ben- bench press i've benched 535 pounds let's see let me do a quick conversion how many kilos is that uh let me pull up my little conversion app which is 535 pounds oh. yeah pounds let me pull up this conversion app, which is always good to have when one wants to brag about how strong one <laughs> is. Um, 242.8 kilos. That's my best bench. You know, that's... Uh, uh, I I didn't know that was even humanly possible to, <laughs> to achieve that. <laughs> no, people are benching a lot more than that these days. Well, but then that's... Um, of course, there's some natural bodybuilders, you know, drug-free bodybuilders who are benching that much and more, but it, not too many are benching more than that without the use of performance-enhancing drugs. But What do they use? Is that testosterone and uh, steroids? Yeah, yeah, different stuff like that. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I've always uh, trained drug-free. I've always uh, uh, competed in powerlifting in the IPF, which is a drug-free and drug-tested organization. I just don't, and I don't have anything against people who want to use that stuff, but just don't do it in a, in an organization that is supposed to be drug-free. Go to other organizations that allow that because a lot of people do cheat and try to get into some of these competitions where it's supposed to be drug-free. And I can't stand that. I just don't have any room for that. I can't stand when people cheat like that. Well, if you're competing, then that's a whole different thing. If you're just uh, if you're taking testosterone and steroids to build your body yeah. for yourself, sure, mm. there is a therapeutic use for that that some people can get benefit from. But uh, in in the IPF, which I compete in, uh, it's it's just not allowed. If you take any kind of growth hormone or steroids, no matter what the reason is then you are banned from competing in the IPF. And if you get caught through a drug test, you will, you will be kicked out. 
So I, I like it that it's that strict. And again, it should be, should be. And again, if you need growth hormone, extra growth hormone or steroids for whatever, be my guest and do it, but just don't compete in an organization that's drug free. I don't really care what people uh, do generally as long as it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, I don't, I don't. I have if it doesn't hurt anyone else, then uh, exactly. it should be fine. Yeah, I have nothing against people who use those those uh, those things. I just don't like it when they claim to be drug free and compete in a drug free organization because it's that's cheating. That's not fair. It's cheating. Can I ask you a question? Uh, hopefully, this won't be uh, <laughs> taking. The, this is uh, this is going a, a whole different ways. Sure, but. Uh, there's a big thing in Norway the um, last month about Rusreformen. Yeah, yeah. You heard about that, the new policy for uh, drugs. Yes. Basically. Yeah. So uh, what they wanted to do was make uh, user amounts of uh, now illegal drugs uh, not legal, but uh, what's it called? Not... Uh, not illegal either it's decriminalized or right, whatever de- decriminalized yeah what do you think about that i know you've been in a situation i think it's a good thing they're not going to do it though they they uh yeah no i'm saying i think it's i think that if if that that concept of decriminalizing drugs i think is a good thing yeah because to treat addiction to treat addiction as if it's a crime I believe is wrong. Uh, and they've tried it for 50 years and it, does, doesn't, and it doesn't work. work. People doesn't are still yes. dying of overdoses. There are hundreds of people dying of overdoses in Norway every year. Addiction is a health issue, most often a combination of physical health issues and mental health issues. Addiction is not something that should be labeled as a crime. So... I would think I think it's a good thing the whole concept of decriminalizing drugs. Look what they've done in Portugal. They mm. decriminalize drugs and I can't remember the actual facts and figures. I've spoken about this on my podcast before, but but addiction uh and and death from overdose has fallen uh I'm sorry, I don't want to misspeak. I don't know if if addiction numbers have fallen, but death from overdose has fallen incredibly. Um, mm. it's, it's literally saving lives. And so then I would imagine that because many lives are being saved, there's also some people who are being successfully treated for their addictions. Yeah. So to me, the decriminalization of drugs is a good thing. It, to me, uh, it sounds like a reasonable thing to do. And it makes me, uh, it makes me almost mad when, yes. when, uh, this political party that was the deciding factor decided not to yes. Uh, yes. to to have the new uh, reform. Yeah, yeah, they're not I thinking. I think based probably on a lot of uh, votes for the next election. Well, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. They're not thinking long term. They're thinking short term. They're thinking how do we have what what standpoint on this um, rewriting of our drug laws do we have to take in order to to have a successful election? Well, now they've made their decision, and I don't th- I think that's very short uh, thinking. That's very selfish thinking, 
It's not long-term thinking at all, and it's definitely not in the interest of those people who are dying of, of their addictions. No, and and in, in the U.S., uh, the state is earning a lot of taxes, aren't yes. they? On, on, taxing marijuana like crazy. Yeah. yeah. Why aren't Norway as some progressive country, oil nation that we are, why aren't we taking, uh, like, trying to maximize profit from it as well? Because yeah. uh, you don't need to walk far outside of my apartment to smell that people are still smoking it. People yeah. are still yeah. using yeah. whatever it is, a bridge just 200 meters from here, right, yeah. where we do stand up, where yeah. people sleep under that bridge because... Uh, yeah. They uh, they started doing heroin and then they're in and out of prison yeah. and they have no money. They have a lot of debt. Yeah. Uh, it's sad because it doesn't have to be that way. Norway has the funds to properly help these people with their addictions and, and to treat <clears throat> drug use as a health issue instead of a crime issue. We um, use billions and billions on Norwegian crawlers every year just on roads and uh, new bike paths and stuff you can yeah 260 people die of an overdose in, in norway every year i think that's terrible. more important than yeah. me it's terrible that's a terrible number this is a very easy fix too to yeah. uh yeah. yeah i was just gonna i'm, say not, I'm not saying this the, the, the number won't be a zero but it won't no. will be very very it won't be 260 either you know it's a, it's a terrible no. number to 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 be able to recite it should not that's not what that number should be norway has the the financial means to take care of this and that's what it's going to take it's going to take an attitude shift and it's going to take a shift of uh funding they are going to have to put the money in different places than where they're putting it now and they can do it but again they're looking for that popular decision to make so that they can continue to have a good election cycle. That's everything is everything that's wrong about the world. Yeah. Oh, man. When the bureaucracy comes in front of the yeah. human life. But I think, uh, I think people are getting tired of that. I think, I think more and more. Yeah, I think there's going to be some changes. I think we're going to see some significant changes in the way politics are run, and we're going to see it in our lifetime. I'm going, to live, so? I'm going to live longer than you, by the way. I've decided that. You have decided? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be in an ice chamber, and then I'll... Uh... <laughs> so in, in, in 200 years, when you have the technology to bring me back, I'll be back, baby. I want to be, I'll be there. I want to be one of them guys that lives like uh, 105 years old and I still have my head straight and I can still speak, you know, uh, clearly and, and intelligently and I'm still physically active and, and not laid up in an old folks home somewhere. I want to be one of those guys. You think when, when, uh, when a person decides that, okay, when I'm almost dead, I'm going to freeze my body. And then hopefully I'll be alive again in 200 years. Do you think they take into consideration uh, that everyone thinks you're an idiot for <laughs> the next 200 years? And then <laughs> when you actually wake up, you're not the idiot anymore, but everyone else that thought you were an idiot are dead. So 
I don't know. This is this is the first, this is stand up material. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it something. Is, it is stand up material. It's uh, I had a bit. Um, I probably shouldn't reveal it here. No, I, I'll reveal it here. I had a bit that I had written, and I never got to use it. You know, things shut down. But I was at the gym one day, and I saw this guy. And, and this isn't the bit, but this is what inspired me to write this bit. I saw this guy. He was an older guy, maybe in his late sixties, early seventies. Um, and he looked, he just had this look of confusion on his face <laughs> and he had, and he was dressed like people in this, like, like what my parents used to dress like in the seventies, he had like these white socks pulled like halfway up his leg. And he had these real short shorts that came, you know, not even halfway down his leg. He was dressed really weird. And I'm like, that guy looks like he just woke up from a from a coma and went straight to the gym. And he's confused <laughs> about how much. And I wrote and I wrote a whole a whole thing about what things would be like for me as a black man. Okay, there's the twist. As a black man, if I had fallen into a coma in modern Norway and then come out of that coma. After like 15, 20 years, what would things oh, be? Now. Yes. So well, I had, yeah, I guess it's different from fifteen years ago to now. Well, oh, yes. I can tell you, I came here uh, to live in two thousand and two, and it is definitely a different Norway now than it was back then. Definitely. People are more open and uh... yeah, people. Well, okay, let me let me let me talk about that a little bit. Yes, some people are more open, but other people are more closed. Uh, I talked about this uh, with NRK. Um, there are some Norwegians, I think there's way too many Norwegians, who feel threatened by, um, by immigrants who are coming to Norway. And that Norway is becoming more brown. I mean, what is it though? It's only a, maybe two percent of Norway is is black or brown. And I'm thinking, I don't know, I don't know. No, that's roughly that's roughly what it is. Maybe two percent. And I'm yeah. thinking, do Norwegians actually fear that that two percent is going to ruin this strong, um, uh, ancient culture that is Norway? Don't they believe more in what Norway is and what Norway stands for? I don't understand that fear. No. That they feel like Norway is going to be ruined by these new immigrants and these, you know, second and third generation uh, black and brown people in Norway. I don't understand the fear of that. I don't understand why. Uh, I. There's two things. I wouldn't. I, I don't take. I don't take anyone that. Um, if if you were to uh, if you were to uh, say something racist to me about another person or in front of me uh, to let's say someone is a racist uh, towards you in front of me, I'll be the first one to be like, "Dude, shut the fuck up!" Because yeah. yeah. I don't understand why people uh, will treat other people differently based yeah. on the color of their skin. It's totally They're, irrational. It really makes no sense. I don't. I, I challenge anyone to justify their racism to me. I don't think anyone can do it. You can't have a logical <laughs> argument about it. No, there's no logical argument, and that makes me like. If you're racist, then I don't consider your meaning uh, in any aspect of life. Uh, 
to be worth anything. No. So uh, if because if I know if you if you're wrong at that, then what other life decision have you taken? Probably wrong about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and, and I think that a lot of people. I was going to say, that's not to, that's not to take away yeah. their humanity. They're still a human being and they deserve, you know, yeah, they deserve what all human beings deserve as far as compassion. Do they though? Do they? Uh, should we just, you know, I just can't, get I rid can't of totally, them? I can't totally write off a, a, a raging racist. I feel like there's something that can be said or done or shown to them or some experience that they can have that can turn them away from that darkness. I have yeah. maybe that's a hippie optimist that lives inside of me, but I feel like th th I I will engage a person like that in conversation if they're willing to do to do it, you know, and for as long as it lasts because like I say they can't come with anything rational, but my hope would be that I could say something or do something or trigger something in their mind that will cause them to change their ways. That's a very good thought, but do you really believe that a person, I, yeah, not to throw all racists under <laughs> the same. No, it, I mean, they can't be very intelligent, can they? Um, yes, because they can be quite intelligent at times, but they have something. Well, look, I've, I've, I've said this before. I don't believe that there is a true racist out there. I believe that every person who is racist knows in their heart of hearts that they're being an idiot. <laughs> I, I believe that they understand that they can, you know, you, you can see a Klansman in the States, you know, white sheets and everything. But if you look at his shoes, he's wearing Air Jordans, yeah. a black man, you know, yeah. and you can point that out to them. And unless they are a true imbecile, they will understand that they're being stupid. Mm. So what I'm saying is I believe that most racists know that they're being illogical. Most racists know that it's wrong to be racist, but there's something about being that so-called, being that racist that they accept. There's something about that that gives them comfort. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people are very afraid of change. Well, there you go. Afraid of change or they, maybe they've, maybe they've been uh, abused their entire life and told <clears throat> they were worthless. So they need to feel better than, and how do you feel better than? Well, by, by, by logging into this racist ideology that the white race is the superior race. And then, yeah, I'm part of this group now. Now I log onto your Facebook account. This is what you do in the uh, Corona. <laughs> Corona racist, racists, they yes. go onto Facebook yeah. and they find a news article that they don't agree with and they write something about someone's skin color yeah. uh, without it even being anything to do with the article exactly. they are. See, see, and I think people like, like that are looking for comfort. They need to feel secure. They feel insecure about themselves, about their family situation, about their background. So they need to feel better than somebody. And, oh, well, mm. look at these minorities. Look at these black and brown minorities. I can log into this. I can get I can get uh, in line with this racist ideology so that I feel better about myself by making them mm. be the, the, the mud race, by them being the ones who are ruining our society and so on. I truly believe that a lot of racists have those types of reasons for being a racist, which then, if you follow the logic, 
there can't be very many people who are truly racist. It's basically just a pillow to soften, to soften something in their lives. Yeah. People always want control. They're, I don't know. It's, uh, they want it always, to me, it's always like a meaningless thing to discuss because, uh, the, the, you know that you're right in this discussion and i know that i'm on the right side of history yeah, yeah. there's yeah, nothing know. to discuss yeah. why i mean it, uh, yeah. there, it, it there are only 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 you know, only one thing to say and it's, it's wrong sure it sure and i'm not it. so naive as to believe that i can change that i can absolutely change a racist's mind but there is some hope in me that they can be enlightened and that's why i don't write them off uh, I want to have someone who thinks that way on my podcast. I would love to have a discussion on my podcast, but I can't get anyone to come on. And that just tells me. A racist me, person? Yes. Yeah. But that just tells me that they don't believe in their own ideology. Yeah. Because if you did, you would come on and shout it out to the five people who listen to my podcast. You can probably reach out to like, you know, see, um, there are some organizations in Norway with, uh, scarily a lot of uh, yeah. uh a lot of members yes. they have like yes. they go in front of the parliament yeah. building and yes. scream and everyone yes. takes pictures and laugh and i bet one of them will be able to come on your podcast but you know but you know why i don't have one of them on because those are the ones that will just repeat their you know they'll yeah. open their little pamphlet and just repeat that i want the average person in the street somebody like you and i the only difference is, is that they believe this type of ideology. That's the kind of person I want. Because if well, I it's a good sign that it's very hard to find. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, I guess it is. You don't want to be okay. I can just call him. Then. <laughs> uh, can you imagine if I put a Facebook uh, post out? I'm looking for a racist to come talk. And <laughs> I look out my window and there's 50 people lined up. <laughs> waiting Please, if you're a racist, contact me. <laughs> oh, God. I guess I should be happy they haven't. So. <laughs> Listen, Frederick, no. I, I, I have to round this off. Um, yeah. I have uh, Snoopy out there waiting for me. She's Snoopy is off work for a few days now, so Ooh. so I get to uh, get to t torment her and trouble her for uh, a long weekend. Yeah, yeah, a long weekend. Very good. But. Um, but listen, I really, really wow! Look at us. We put in an hour and forty nine minutes so far that's not not bad that's not, not bad, bad. uh to, to wind things up tell people again the name of your single and when it comes out and where they can find it go spotify tomorrow or whatever platform you use actually you can search for my name frederick woman you can search for stay on my mind um that's the new single that comes out um on the 28th of may 2021 um yeah, I hope you're going to, I think you're going to like it. I think uh, if you like music that's uh, easy, easy to listen to and it's very organic, then uh, I think you'll like this next song as well. There you go. I think I know I'm going to like it. I know what you do. And uh, without it, having heard this song before, I know I'm going to like it. Um, um, I knew I was going to enjoy having this conversation with you, man. Um, it's these kind of conversations that make my life better. So thank you for that, Frederick. Uh, likewise, likewise. Yeah. This is uh, therapy. Yeah. Stick around, <laughs> Frederick. Don't hang up. Uh, let me nope. just say goodbye to my viewers and listeners. Um, yeah, Frederick Wallman, everybody. Uh, thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you. 
And for those of you watching or listening, please subscribe. Um, please engage in the conversation. There's always a comment section, whether it's on social media or on YouTube. Engage, uh, subscribe, spread the word. Let's have a conversation. Um, let's help each other along. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt at all. Quite the opposite. It makes life a little bit easier. Bye, everybody. Ooh.